Welcome back to Rebound with Resilience, a podcast dedicated to raise your resilience, mindset, and mental wellness. On this episode, to talk about overcoming social anxiety and OCD, we have a good friend of mine in the studio, Ron Yap. <laughs> Hello. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Uh, it's very nice to have you here. You know, it's been, you know, we've been chatting offline for a period of time, holding a couple of clubhouse sessions, a couple of like Zoom sessions as well, and finally get to host you here. Lah. So I'm quite excited. I must say the first time I saw your profile, I was a little bit intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because because uh, you know, I think back then we were mutual friends and mm. you had a very nicely curated profile. It was very well designed. And I was like, wow, comparing his profile to mine. Very typical, I know social comparison, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know when I got to know you were really you wow. Just really, really humble and uh you know, just um not not just that, I also thought that you were older than you. You are. I didn't know oh. you were in Wikimedia. I thought you graduated already. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Get sometimes, huh? yeah, because no, it's a good thing because because like you wrote a book already. Mm. I think later on we'll talk about uh, the book as well because uh, we're giving a special offer for, <laughs> for, for Ron's book for listeners, How to Overcome Anxiety. I read it and it's just so comprehensive, so detailed. Um, that it's just like, can I imagine that you really write a book at that at the age? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it did take like quite a bit of research. La. Yeah, into into what how anxiety works and all that, and also a bit of my own personal experiences. Yes. Yeah. So I think a lot of the case uh, when we do research into how into psychology and how mental health works, right? A lot of it is is very insightful, but not very actionable, mm. right? So what you have to do is compile it, uh, you compress it into something that people can apply in their daily life, and that's something that I think I did with the book. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you not just did, but you did with, in my opinion, at least flying colors because I wasn't expecting so much. Right, but when I read through it, it's really summarizing GAD, right? I mean, not GAD, uh, anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, we're going to talk about OCD, which is very misunderstood. It's actually right, a dis- right, right. anxiety disorder. And how you then give practical tips, you know, which we'll talk a little bit about it in this podcast. Okay, I think uh, I <laughs> went a bit long in the intro. <laughs> no, it's okay. uh, but I, think the, I was thinking the alternative title for this could be From Social Anxiety <laughs> to Becoming a Social Media Influencer. Yeah, I saw that. That's quite a big jump, like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now you have over 12K followers on uh, on socials. And uh, it must be quite a jump, you know, from, from that to this. So I want to know about that. And of course, mm-hmm. how you... Uh, the, the process along mm-hmm. the way, la, typically. Um, and of course, uh, for guests, uh, for listeners as well, we will talk a bit about about OCD, uh, it's very misunderstood, and how you can then uh, overcome it or manage it uh, in a way. Okay, so okay, so yeah, let's go into let's go into it. Oh, I just want to add a disclaimer as well, right? Like I think Ron always mentions very important about this. This is not like m- medical advice. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't replace like a therapist's advice or a psychologist's advice, right? It's really just sharing from lived experiences. Uh, of course, we we'll make it as factual as we can based on research, uh, but definitely will not replace. Uh, professional help or anyone that you are seeing like that's it that's the case okay so I guess let's start with growing up first you know how did that social anxiety form and we talk a bit about anxiety um, you did mention in your book where you lost your dad to cancer when you you were around three years old um, and that was one of the triggers mm. so maybe we can start with that and then how that evolved yeah yeah so basically I lost my dad to uh, leukemia okay. uh, when I was three yeah actually it wasn't the death that uh, registered that much impact on me at the time uh, because I think I was still very young uh, so actually kind of what impacted me more 
over the long run, right, was kind of that loss of that guiding, uh, I guess you could say, parental figure, okay. right? So on one hand, you have the financial aspect. Because mm. uh, my mom was a working mother, and honestly, she was working her butt off la, very frequently. Mm. And because of that, I think uh, I was left alone la, for most of my life. And when you're alone, you don't really have any siblings to talk to. Also, not really that many close friends. Kind of uh, get stuck at home a lot. <clears throat> and as, as a result of that kind of lack of social interaction, uh, I kind of uh, developed uh, that social anxiety that I mentioned in my book. Sure. And uh, I guess it's a chicken and egg problem because uh, I was socially anxious because I was socially awkward. Mm. Because I didn't really have that much social interactions uh, as I was growing up. Yeah. So that's something that uh, was quite impactful in my life. Lah. So talking a bit more about that social anxiety, uh, I guess what happened to me was that I was bullied very frequently because, that, uh, because I was uh, super awkward. And, uh, and it hurts. Lah. It hurts. Lah. It hurts a lot. And it's really kind of crippling because uh, it's hard to imagine being in that position when uh, you're having a, a conversation, right? Like what we're doing right now. And you're not really that sure whether the words that's, that are going to come out of your mouth next is going to be something that the other party finds to be weird, mm. right? Or something that's going to stop the conversation in its tracks, right? So what happened to me all the time was I would try and formulate these sentences in my head, but they just won't come out the way that I want them to, right? So, mm. and after a while of doing that, uh, I kind of uh, realized that people found me to be quite weird. Right, right. Because you're yes. second-guessing yourself yeah. and then you're always stuck in your mind, right? Right, right, right. And right, people right. know that, people can see that you're stuck in your head, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, as a result of that, I kind of shut down right, after a while. Yeah. yeah, and it took me a lot of years uh, to get me out of that yeah. shell. Yeah. So yeah, I, don't, I totally understand. Uh, not that I could relate growing up because I wasn't uh, socially anxious mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, of course, generally everybody in front of certain social situations as an introvert myself would feel a little bit. But I think the degree to which you felt yeah, it yeah. was a bit extreme. And I think in the book as well, you talked about um, anxiety, Right, general anxiety, right? It's caused when a stressor right. is gone awry. Or it's you know, I mean, we know the fight or flight response, right? That's yeah, to protect yeah. us. Uh, we have evolved so that when we face inverted commas a threat, our body actually produces a fight or flight response. Uh, but when that's too intense or over a lengthy period of time, that leads to problems where it's constantly being activated mm-hmm. in weird situations. Uh. Yeah. yeah. And to add on to that, like uh, it's activated during times and even like uh, there is no threat yeah. like, at all. No, even not any physical threat. Because uh, last time we and our ancestors, yeah. like, like they were scared of like mammals and stuff mm. like that. And that's a very visible threat. Yes. But in today's times, things like uh, you know all these physical threats are have been replaced yeah. by uh, more existential ones, yeah. like losing your job or yeah. not doing well in your in your tests. And mm. these things which uh, may affect your future, right? They are kind of seen as physical threats, mm. even though the danger may not be. Your body physical. responds the same yes. way, right? As if it's a physical threat right, because right, that right. is a still a biological response. Mm. Yeah, and and it's also negativity bias, right? Because mm. we now we share in some of my podcasts that you can you can either there are two mistakes you can make. Uh, which one would you rather make, right? Thinking there's a tiger, just mm. assume like you're in a jungle, okay? Mm. <laughs> and then you're hunting. Uh, there are two mistakes you can potentially make. Uh, thinking there is no tiger when there is one, mm. or thinking there's a tiger where there isn't one, mm. right? And the mind is always evolved to make the second mistake way more, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because if you make the first mistake just once, you are dead. So that's why we're very ne- kind of, Bias to negativity, mm. la. We always overestimate threats and underestimate opportunities. Yeah, yeah. So, um, nah, it's, I'm glad that we discussed that kind of the premise for anxiety. 
but how how did it manifest and how did it affect your self worth? Yeah. So, and at the height of it, uh, Got it. Got it. Got it. So I think uh, something that really I guess encapsulated uh, my struggles uh, was uh, back during secondary school. Right, almost every day. Right, I would I would be at the void deck. Right. And just sitting down there, like thinking to myself for literally like two to three hours. Wow. Yeah. Or just reflecting on what I like things that happened in the past. Okay. Yeah. So like I'll just replay like the conversations, what I should have said, what I should have done. Okay. Uh, you know, what would happen if I did this, did yep. that. Yeah. So I think I was literally like paralyzed. Uh. So okay. I couldn't get that out of my head. And I'll talk about like that obsession more like, in the OCD aspect. Yeah. But it's really something that uh, was really debilitating because I'll be at sitting in a body, I, I'm telling myself, just go out, just, you yeah. know, this doesn't matter, but then, I just can't bring myself out of my head. Mm, yeah? They're constant ruminations. Yes, right? rumination. Okay. And that's because of my social anxiety. Yeah, I just, I just felt really trapped, right? And, you know, sometimes, uh, I would try and read books, like how to make your conversations better, how to uh, talk better in conversations, how to have humor in your conversations. Mm. And it's all these things that I guess should have been uh, in me, la. should yeah, have been yeah. developed uh, uh, as when I was growing up la, and because I didn't have I didn't like the opportunities to because I, I didn't have those opportunities uh, to do that to, to learn those social those social skills I felt very uh, frustrated and very angsty about okay. all of it yeah um, when it becomes too robotic in that sense yeah, not that those yeah. books aren't bad it's good in certain contexts you help yeah, you understand yeah, yeah. but if you just rely on that alone and not so much on practice or not so much on just uh, play then it becomes like you're very robotic exactly. and you're trying to find, overthinking. Trying to like, yeah, follow a formula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not science, you know, there's mm. no like scientific formula yeah. for how to have a good conversation. It's just something that you learn. Yeah. Right. So it hurts. Like, it hurts. Like. And it does hit your self-worth to know that you kind of lack something that most people just have. Mm. Right. Almost you will just uh, learn as you're growing up. Okay. And so like, like I said, like, I was, uh, because I was bullied frequently, uh, I didn't really have a lot of uh, respect growing up. And I kind of realized uh, that uh, respect is something that all of us need. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the Maslow's hierarchy, it's on yeah. the, second, the second tier. La. So when you don't have that, it's something that uh, you yearn for. La. You yeah. yearn for in the, in the future. And that's, I guess, what happened to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, we, we will talk about how that respect kind of void became something that drove you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, we want to talk about OCD because I knew that it evolved into... OCD, which right. also is a, a form of anxiety disorder. Um, I have, you know, I spoke because on Instagram stories as well, I, I asked some friends, you know, anyone that face social anxiety or OCD, a couple of people said, yeah, don't mind sharing. Of course, I'm not going to review their names, um, but uh, similar, actually similar veins to you, mm-hmm. when you talked about it, a lot of it started from a trigger where right. either they're overweight and then people just keep bullying them and then they become in their head where they're constantly thinking about what are people thinking about me, making assumptions about me? And then that kind of evolved to uh, OCD for some of them. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Uh, let's define OCD a little bit because I think it's misunderstood mm-hmm. and also used very colloquially sometimes. Uh, but yeah, what is yeah. OCD? So OCD is actually obsessive compulsive disorder, right? So if you think about the three words, there's, uh, there's three different aspects. So the first one is obsessive, right? You have an obsession and that's uh, talking about what's going on in your head. Right. So you're obsessively fixating on, usually it's either something that's uh, happened in the past or something that you think is going to happen in the future. Right. So for me, it's uh, I obsess a lot on uh, conversations I've had in the past. Right? A lot of people have a lot of regrets about certain decisions that they have in the past. 
right? Or it could be, let's say, for example, the classic scenario uh, that everybody mentions, uh, everybody thinks about when they, talk, when they think about OCD, which is the fact that uh, if you get into contact with germs, for example, you get a lot of diseases in the future and you might possibly die because of that. Or you or your families may be hurt because of your actions, right? So when you have an obsession about something, that's the first part of OCD. And the second part is uh, compulsive, right? Uh, compulsions. So these refer to rituals that people have to kind of uh, try and make their anxiety subside. Mm. Right? So this could be washing their hands frequently. This could be uh, obsessing over decisions that they've made, uh, planning frequently, uh, excessive perfectionism. Right. So when people have a certain ritual that they have, it's called a compulsion, right? And in order for it to be uh, classified as OCD, right, it must be a disorder. Right, it must actually affect your daily life, mm. right? So it cannot be just oh, I'm like I just like check my my exam over again, yeah, yeah. or like fix this, fix that. It must actually have a direct impact on your daily life, uh. mm. Either if you're wasting your time, hours of your time, or wasting uh, or making you feel uh, anxious to the point of paralysis. So mm. when all these three aspects are satisfied, uh, then basically you can give a diagnosis of OCD. Got it. But if not, it's just colloquial OCD. Yeah, yeah. got it. Uh, let, let's explore that a little bit, okay? Because I think in general, I talk about this mental health exists on a spectrum, right? And it's usually intensity and frequency. Mm. So you might have certain inverted common symptoms here and there, but it's not intense enough or frequent enough for you to be diagnosed. Mm. And in the case of OCD specifically, right, it has to disrupt like your yes. life on a very serious basis, right? There's, I mean, if I, you, if like me, for example, I have an obsessive personality trait as a perfectionist, right? Mm. But I don't, it's not. I don't think it's diagnosed as OCD because it doesn't necessarily um, affect my life very seriously, even though sometimes it's a bit irritating, like having this yeah, very yeah. annoying obsessive personality trait. But um, to summarize what you mentioned, both obsessions and compulsions. Uh, mm. It's obsessive, compulsive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I just get, just to add on, I think a lot of people think of the classic scenario like that, uh, that you must be washing your hands frequently. Oh yeah, that's right. Nice. Yeah, it's the stereotype. <laughs> la, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is how it is, la, right? Yeah. But I guess uh, for some people, right, their OCD is classified more heavily on the O part, mm. right? The obsessive part. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like, uh, have a very sad ritual. Mm. Some people can be so burdened by their thoughts, right? That they are crippled and paralyzed and they can't, sometimes you can't even get out of bed because mm. they're just stuck in their own head. Yeah. So I think the term for that is uh, primary ruminators. Yeah. Okay. So that's something to be uh, also aware of. So I had a friend, I mean, I, I mean, I have a friend yeah. whom uh, man- mentioned to me that, and this kind of is relevance to the research, right? Mm-hmm. That OCD actually is the third most common, second or third most common disorder in Singapore, mm-hmm. right? According to stats to 2016, uh, I think one in 24 people are affected. But the treatment gap, uh, the treatment gap here is 11 years there. The longest yeah. for generally for any mental health disorder is mm. OCD because I think it's very subtle and sometimes people yeah. uh, for whatever reasons they don't don't seek help but my friend was in that position she didn't seek help for very long only when she realised that oh wow like in her okay the way she described it was that her mind latches onto something mm. and it usually sticks with anxiety like it latches on an irrational fear and it just right. keep you know ruminating uh, I'll give some examples for audience to understand a bit more uh, this is just taken from, from the web, right? Uh, just yeah, let me know if yeah. it's, it's accurate, but usually it's classified like fear of contamination of germs, uh, fear of harm from illnesses. Uh, this, this may include an excessive sense of responsibility for preventing the harm, which you know is the, is the compulsions part. 
uh, intrusive thoughts and image about sex, violence, accidents, mm. excessive concern with symmetry, exactness, or orderliness. And of course, the last one, uh, excessive concerns about religious issues and morality, even illness. Uh, it seems that that's quite, quite a common theme. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is kind of the obsessions, but um, let's let's talk about that in your context. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the compulsion which you mentioned in the book, they need to pee all yeah, the time. Okay, but that yeah. was quite stuck, you know. So uh, share with us <laughs> about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So okay. But before I go that, uh, yeah. before I go into my own story, just sure. to talk a bit more about that, uh, about the, the examples of OCD yeah. that you mentioned. Uh. So there's a lot of different ones, uh, and a lot of them are very distressing, right? So uh, just to mention, uh, there's also things like moral OCD, yeah? mm. philosophical OCD. Mm. So like, if your decision, for example. Uh, does not fit your own moral values, right? You're just paralyzed. You just stuck, and you just like uh, you can't move. Uh, actually, you can't okay. decide from now on. Uh, there's also things like uh, you can edit this out if you want, like a uh, pedophile OCD. Mm. Yeah, so people have yeah, no, like I will include it in. Yeah, for awareness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so pedophile OCD people who have uh, pedophilic thoughts, okay. then they can't get themselves out of it. Right. Uh, things like uh, also some people are uh, they have uh, fears and thoughts of being of uh of being like a LGBTQ. Okay. So all these Constantly questioning their sexuality. Yes, yes, okay. yes. And, uh, and they cannot find a definite answer. La. So a lot of that comes into obsession. So thankfully, I have had uh, none of that. Uh, none of the more, I guess, uh, specific forms of OCD. La. Mm. So for me, my compulsion uh, was, as you said, la, I pee like a dog. La. I pee <laughs> a lot. La. I pee like sure. a river. La, yeah. And so I'm very willing to admit this uh, because uh, you know, whatever, uh, it's just, it's mm. just life. Uh. In fact, uh, the CNA actually contacted me like uh, ah, okay. a, few, a, few, a few days before to talk about uh, OCD. Just yeah. a few days before this? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, to, write, uh, to write about OCD. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look, I, I said the same thing uh, that I, I pee like a dog. Uh, so. mm. And uh, I guess how it started, right, was, uh, in fact, I remember quite clearly uh, that it was before a camp uh, back in secondary school uh, when I was in the MPCC mm. uh, one of the worst places in my life but yeah the, sure. yeah so basically I was really 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 anxious right and nothing I was doing uh, was getting me to sleep so I guess I what I was doing right was I was trying to find different ways uh, any ways at all to kind of uh, release my anxiety so that came in a physical manifestation of going yeah. up to pee yeah. even though when I knew that there was nothing inside mm. or very little like, like one or two drops right, right. So afterwards, right, that became like a kind of a coping mechanism. Mm. Peeing became my coping mechanism. Right. It in your brain, yes. right? Okay. Like, as absurd as it sounds, right? Yes, that's what happened to me, mm. right? So after a while, uh, it became a habit. Lah. I used to pee at night, like, usually whenever I got anxious. Then actually it kind of uh, also a bit evolved more into a medical problem as well. Lah. Yeah. So that uh, took me like trips to the urologist. They kind of don't really know what's going on with me yet. So it's a problem that I still deal with to this day, yeah, mm. but, uh, you know, it's my body, what do I do yeah. about it, yeah. I appreciate your vulnerability, because, um, I mean, at least for me, and I looked at you, your page, and the work that you're doing, and it seems like you're this perfect oh. uh, individual, right, and you got, you know, but, but I mean, it's not to say that uh, your struggles define you, but mm. at the same time, at the same time, you're very vulnerable about it and realize that, okay, I'm still going through it. Just like how mm-hmm. even now I talk about mental health, but I'm still facing anxiety mm-hmm. here and there. And um, it's okay to be open about it. Yeah, of course. So, so I, uh, again, really appreciate you doing that. And, and the book also, 
uh, I think you did mention it quite uh, specifically and it really helped me to connect. I must like, instead of just a book about, you know, just talking about OCD just and everything, but it somehow it became like, um, it, it became very personal as if you lived it and the sharing that the way you write is like, you want to help me. You, mm. you really want to help, you understand and you want to help someone in a similar position. So that, that's the essence that I got mm. when, I, when I read it. Um, and again, how did how did that uh, you know? It must be so tiring to to, to have to do that compulsion uh, again and again, right? Again, at the height of it, how did it affect you? Yeah. So uh, now it's a little bit better, okay. but at the height of it, right? Uh, it sounds ridiculous, but I was I could go up to like twenty to thirty times every right. single night, right? Okay, that's and pretty insane. Yeah, and it would take up to four hours of my of my night life, which my okay. sleep was drastically affected. My Man, sleep was how, what age was that? Oh, uh, you remember? Honestly, like, uh, probably starting from my JC period. Right. So 17 okay. all the way up until my first few years of university. Oh, so 17 okay. to 22, 23. Okay. Yeah, so it was quite painful. Yeah. Wow, I, that is... It, I can't <laughs> imagine how painful that would be because you, it's like you have to do it, mm. but you know it's affecting your sleep and... Correct, correct. And your yeah. energy. Like, I guess the, the, the worst thing about it is that you know that it's irrational, you know that it's something that you shouldn't do, yet you're still doing it, okay. right? And I guess a bit of, uh, a bit more on that, uh, OCD, there's a difference between OCD and OCPD, okay. so Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder, and the difference be- between the two is that for OCD, you know that it's irrational, right? But you just can't get yourself out of it. For OCPD people, they think that it's irrational, so they think that it's rational, mm. but they think that washing your hands uh, obsessively does help some mm. and that the benefits are ways the cons. I see. Yeah. So okay. that one is a personality disorder, but OCD is an anxiety disorder. Right. So you're aware that it's not helping, but you yeah, can't. and you just can't get out of that loop in your mind. Mm. Yeah, and it and it just hurts, uh. it hurts. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I guess we won't go into the psychological basis behind it, but it has to be something to do with our mechanisms mm. and the way because we are routine creatures and right. we we generally function with patterns, right? And that's how we survive. Mm. So when that's taken to the extreme, it becomes maladaptive uh, um, it's not just that could you just share for awareness what are some other compulsions that people yeah. you, know, you heard of or you read about yeah so uh, obviously the classic scenario is the washing yeah. the hands the drying like uh, washing the clothes as well mm. I know of uh, I read before uh, of uh, a mother who actually washed her, her son's uh, army uniform so much that it became white yeah oh. so it's hard. I, I <laughs> thought that the army, the number four, was like indestructible. Yeah. Until <laughs> you see like the white color, uh, it's like it's like sure. almost bleached. Mm. Yeah. So that's one thing. Uh, and OCD can revolve around almost anything. I know a girl that I talked to via Instagram that her OCD comes in the form of food. Mm. Right? So if uh, she has to eat her meals in a certain order, otherwise she cannot eat them at all. She will throw up. Yeah. Mm. So. Uh, there's also uh, OCD about, uh, I guess, uh, catastrophes or disasters, right? That if I don't do this certain thing, like if I don't like close the curtains mm. a certain way, or if I don't like adjust the time a certain way, that, uh, you know, something disastrous will happen, right. uh, something cat- cat- catastrophic will happen. happen. Yeah. Okay. So there's all of these different compulsions and rituals and it could be anything, mm. right? Yeah. So it, it manifests in different ways. Now. Okay. Let's talk about overcoming the process mm. of managing overcoming it. A lot of people want to hear this. Um, and of course, we also will talk about uh, just managing, managing general anxiety mm-hmm. because I think some of the 
things that we talk about is also applicable just to anybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So let's go in. Let's go into that. Uh, what was that recovery process like for Got you? Got it. So for OCD, to be very honest, uh, I am still dealing with it. It's okay. a little bit better, but uh, I'm still in the midst of it, lah. Okay. But uh, I guess what really made it better was confronting, uh, confronting mm. why. I uh, confronting why I, I did these actions in the first place. Mm. Yeah, so at the root of it is anxiety. Right? What am I anxious about? So uh, when I did deal with that, it helped a bit better. Lah. But more specifically for OCD, right? Uh, there's a new, I guess a new form of treatment called uh, ERP, mm. which is exposure and response prevention. I have I don't have any uh, history of it myself. Okay. But uh, as the name suggests, right? It's being, it's uh, having a professional expose you to what? scares you. Okay. Right. So whether it's germs or not peeing or not washing your clothes, right? And in a sense, uh, you eat you eat the fear. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you realize that even if you don't do the action, nothing bad happens. Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of what brings you out of your loop. Right. And, and that takes a trained professional. Uh, but the idea is there uh, that mm. uh, sometimes if you extend the the fear or if you extend the period of being in the fear, you get comfortable with it. And mm. you realize that Yes, you may feel discomfort, but you don't necessarily have to feel uncomfortable. Okay. Right? So that's the idea behind ERP. And desensitizing yourself mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it like kind of a subset of CBT as well? Yes. I believe yes. so, right? It's, it's kind of under the same premise. Yeah. Uh, is, I guess it's a good transition to talk about CBT because I know that you did a course uh, recently on that. You invested into that. Mm. Um, yeah, but... Before before I talk about it, a friend of mine actually mentioned that ERP helped her a bit a little bit. Mm. She had an OCD. Uh, she did a bit of research and then she did a bit of practice and also went to see a therapist. Um, and I think that helped. Uh, um, I think it's rare for people listening to maybe um, have more serious form of OCD. But right, I think right. that you do find that okay, certain things relate. You might want to go and uh, see if you get yourself diagnosed or just have a professional's advice on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even if you don't have OCD, yeah. like, you have obsessive compulsive traits, right? Yeah. That idea still applies, right? right? Yeah. So even if you like uh, are a perfectionist, right? Mm. Maybe try like uh, you know purposely not being perfectionist, mm. right? Maybe just leave a typo in that purposely mm. to get rid of that fear. Mm. Right? And you realize that you know actually nothing happens, yeah. right? Nothing happens at all when like uh, people don't really care, mm. right? And then what happens is that uh, that fear dispels la, within mm. you. You create a new loop, la, a new, yes. new new neural yes. a neural yes. pathway in your brain. Uh, so let's let's talk about uh, okay. So so yeah, I think I skipped to so I think I skipped to OCD. We talked about ERP, but what about the social anxiety part? Mm. Because uh, I'm so sorry, I forgot to introduce you proper earlier. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's in the description already. But I just want to say that Ron, he he is uh, working in Vayner Media. So if you're not getting Vayner Chuck, right? Uh, he's working in in a company Vayner Media in Singapore. So he does a lot of media-related stuff. It's good at what he does. And he also runs an Instagram page called uh, Mental Health CEO, which has over 12,000 followers and, uh, of course, produces content that uh, helps people gain awareness. Um, And, you know, when I read through it, it's just very... The thought process is very deep and it helps me to rethink about the nuances about mental health. So definitely go and check it out. Uh, But when I describe this to you, it almost seems like, wow, it's quite a stark contrast, right? Because you, you were sitting by the void deck three hours yeah. thinking about stuff and now you're producing content daily or every other day where you're exposed to stresses, right? And so I'm curious to know what was that transition 
from social anxiety to being a social media <laughs> influencer. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so it really is a big step. Yeah. The fact that I can be here talking to you yeah. and facing the cameras is is yeah. something that maybe it's like... off to you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I was like three or four years back, I would never imagine that I will be in this situation and I'm very grateful for that. So there's a few things that actually got me out of social anxiety, right? And I guess the most tangible thing right, was that uh, when I entered university, I actually got uh, close... Uh, circle of friends mm-hmm. that I could rely on for emotional support that I didn't really have that much lah, back in my previous years and what uh, what that did for me was that uh, I was able to talk freely without being judged and that I could relate to people lah, with my sense of humour with the kind of topics I want to talk about and when that happened it kind of convinced me that I had value and I could bring value to, the, to like different conversations right and so that was very beneficial for me lah and I guess the second thing was a kind of a thought process and a realization that I had, which is that uh, honestly, uh, most people don't really care about you that much. Mm. Yeah, most people have their own food stuff. Yeah. So far, <laughs> I mean, you've heard it before. Yeah, yeah, you just mentioned yeah. it before. Most it's okay, people, you can say yeah. it. You can say it. Most people, I, I'll use the more easy <laughs> Sure. Most people have their own food stuck so far up their own butt, right? Yeah. They don't care about you. Yeah. Right, and I'm not sure what what convinced convinced me that there was a case lah. But mm. after a while, I realized that most people are drowning in their own problems so much mm. that your minor transgression, or let's say you said the wrong thing or you did the wrong thing during conversations, it didn't really register to them that much. It doesn't register to them that much, and that was something that uh, was very very uh, influential for me in realizing that. It also kind of made me a bit more uh, a bit more irreverent lah, so to speak. Yeah, mm. and so. Nothing that gave me confidence was uh, growing the page, mm. right? Because uh, previously in the past, even though I had successes, they didn't really convince me that uh, I had self-worth and that my own flaws uh, outweighed my own uh, positive and achievements. Mm. So the fact that I was able to grow the page, that I received positive feedback from people saying that, hey, uh, you know, your post really resonated with me. Thank you so much. And then I was also helping people uh, also like uh, in person uh, via Zoom. And they also mentioned that it was something that was really helpful for them. Also went on to further convince me that I could bring value to people and society in general. Mm. And so all these things combined, uh, I guess you could say it might have been a, a, a twist of luck la, mm. uh, that really brought me out of social anxiety. And I was very, very grateful for that. Yeah. You did a play as well, right? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> again, made quite, quite, again, big <laughs> contrast in, in front of hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the funny story about that is uh, I can I can just say uh, yeah. to make a movie lighter. Sure. Is uh <laughs> yeah. Uh like uh, uh there's this play in uh, my school, Wikim Wee, the School of Communication and Information, yeah. uh like uh, called the Papa play. Yeah. And it's like an annual play, right? And the story is that uh I auditioned for the boy role and then at the same time they also uh, uh since they were there like you want to audition for the uncle role as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, then as you can uh, probably suspect, I got the uncle role, okay. not the one role. So, yep, I guess uh, <laughs> I'm more mature than I seem. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a role thing. Okay. Um, yeah, Papa, I mean, I, I was from Wikimedia as well, in case you all don't mm-hmm. know. Um, and then I watched the play. It was, it was, it was nice. They usually have a play like customary mm-hmm. every year. I can't remember exactly uh, what. Mine was about studies and education. I can't remember the exact name for it, but... Um, it's fun. It's fun having being part of a production, exposing yourself, talking to people like you said, a yeah, close yeah, group yeah. of friends that helped you. It's very nice to hear that you came out of that. Right, um, right. And I guess also the fact that I was also like uh, 
uh, exposed to acting, mm. being trained in acting, allowed me to, I guess, see, uh, like, understand the, the psychology behind characters in their mm. past, right? And apply their own, I guess, uh, framework and methodology to my own life, mm-hmm. and as well as how to change it, mm. right? So all these character development methods, all these characterization methods, was actually kind of helpful for me. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, in fact, my friends, uh, those that I actually talked to, right, about this, all of them. Okay, this is all of them mentioned that they overcome social anxiety by actually exposure. Mm. Uh, one of them mentioned that she had to be put in leadership positions she has typopia and she was kind of forced into it she took on a role uh, another one my friend mentioned about um, it's still a process of overcoming but then she had to put herself out there la, and focus on a task for her it's just focusing on a task and not too much about people around her like you said so um, again again, but then this I must imagine can be quite tricky la, because it is a huge trigger for some people so it has to be managed and I would say don't just take our advice face face value you got to maybe counter check with therapists or somebody that's a professional before you, you apply it mm-hmm. okay but this seems to be the general theme yeah and don't rush things like take it slow like uh, I mean this is a habit that you've learned for many 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 years so have to be realistic about it you cannot unlearn it in uh, maybe like a few weeks la. Even if it takes months, I would still say it is a worthwhile endeavor of putting yourself out there, of realizing that people, uh, that you do have value. You do have value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, love that. Let's talk about um, general anxiety. Mm. Um, let's talk about general anxiety because in the book you mentioned two things. Uh, I think CFAC. Oh, yeah. CFAC as well as a mindfulness that uh, could help with anxiety and I think it applies to social anxiety but it also applies to general anxiety right just that may not be diagnosed but for anybody generally we face anxiety on a you know every depends like how intense you do it but for me as an entrepreneur I do, I do face anxiety where I'm lost in the monkey mind mm. get distracted by thoughts distracted by consequences um, what are some ways that yeah that, that we can help with that got it so basically in my book, I talk about two different techniques to deal with anxiety, right? And they both have to actually be applied simultaneously, mm. right? So the what you mentioned CFAC, right, is the kind of short-term method for dealing with anxious thoughts, mm. right, right then and there. Okay. Uh, what I describe it as is a kind of a first aid kit or a bandage for your anxious thoughts, mm. right? So uh, just to give you a very, very quick uh, lowdown on it, CFAC stands for Categorize, Fact Check, Affirm, and Consequences, mm. Right, so for categorize, you what you do, what I recommend is that you say out your why you're anxious, uh, in in a, in a sentence. So I'm anxious because this is this is this, right? And then what happens as you say it out the anxious thought, right? You realize that it falls into a category of uh, unhelpful thought or unha- un- an unhelpful thinking style. Mm. Whether it's a black and white thinking, whether it's a, uh, an irrational like a mischaracterization, mm. whether you're ignoring your own positives, overgeneralization. Yes. Uh, you mentioned something about mind reading. Yeah, mind like, reading. Like, like, <laughs> this person must be yeah. like future telling, catastrophizing. Then you categorize it and you realize that it is an unhelpful thinking style. That's step number one, which is self-awareness. Right? Step number two is fact-checked it. Right? You use uh, logics and facts. Right? And you uh, kind of realize that it's not that big of a deal. Either that uh, there's evidence to disprove your assumption or that even if it does happen, it's not the end of the world. Right? That's fact-checking. And when you affirm, you affirm and you say to yourself, uh, these thoughts have no water or these thoughts mm. have no grounds. And so basically that kind of uh, 
you find mm. you kind of put your you put your foot down in your mind and you're, set, you're telling your mind thank you for your input but this is not a thought that's very helpful to me right now mm. and then the consequences uh, it's an optional step but it's saying to yourself if if I continue to have this line of thought what will actually happen to me right let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're mm. worrying about uh, basically like failure right right and the consequence of that uh, if you worry too much is that it will prevent you from taking action yeah. it will prevent you from uh, actually mm. moving forward as an entrepreneur yeah. right by making you less uh, averse to risk. Okay. So when you combine all of these things together, you realize that, hey, actually this does work. And it, it acts as kind of like a, a stoppage, la, a mm. temporary, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You kind of beat down the anxious thought. Mm. Yeah. But obviously uh, what happens sometimes is that it keeps comes back. Yeah, yeah. It comes back over and yeah. over and over again. So, and honestly, uh, you cannot just keep fighting your thoughts yeah. every time you come because you'll be paralyzed. Right? Yes. Like what was happening to me. Mm. So honestly, sometimes the best thing to do when you have an anxious thought is not to engage with it, right? Mm. Uh, like to think of it as like t- the tentacles grabbing, like trying to grab mm. it on. So instead, what you should do is to observe it, okay. be aware of it, but not necessarily engage with it, mm. right? And that's the essence of mindfulness. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Let's transition and talk about mindfulness. Mm. I did one episode previously with Aaron D. Mm. You should definitely mm. check it out because we explore mindfulness in that in that episode uh, on YouTube or yeah, of course on I saw it's very very helpful wow yeah yeah. and, and the fact is that when I read your book the things that you mentioned actually is very congruent to what she, what she said about focus attention and observation she mentioned those are the skills of mindfulness mm-hmm. so let's reiterate it a little bit okay uh, how letting your thoughts flow what are the metaphors you can use and the skills of mindfulness got it so uh, in in, in mindfulness, uh, there's different forms of mindfulness, uh, but the one that I guess I resonate with the most is called detached mindfulness, mm. right? And what usually happens in detached mindfulness is that you treat your thoughts, uh, as you said, as a form of metaphor, mm. right? So you treat it as something else. So this can be different things. It can be like leaves like, uh, floating down a river, can be movies uh, playing in your head, or it can be like uh, nothing that people like to do is treat it as like, advertisements that are popping up all those online ads which are annoying but you can click out of it, right? Mm. But for me, uh, what I choose is uh, clouds. Clouds mm. flowing, uh, flowing in the sky. Yeah, clouds it's a nice, nice yeah. metaphor. Like clouds, yeah, floating <laughs> in the sky. Very calming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess the, the similarities between all of these, right, is that yes, they are there. But no matter what you, no matter what you do, uh, there will always be more of it, mm. right? And they don't have to hurt you if you don't let them. Like movies, for example, you just watch them play it out in your head. You don't like reach out and try and change what's happening in the movie, right? You just let it be. Yep. And once the movie ends, you move on to what you're doing mm. uh, before then, right? Sure. And that's a habit uh, that you have to pick up. That's attention training. That's, uh, there's a lot of things that you can do with it. Like uh, basically going on yeah. a walk and uh, seeing all these different things. Uh, it's, ent- it's attention training. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I know I keep talking about your book, right? But uh, <laughs> uh, we, we do have like kind of an offer that we're yes. offering to people 40% and I and I and I, I know we'll do a proper promotion later on together with your vision but I just want to say that in the book it really talks about this in detail and it's very helpful steps mm. like right now this is more of like a teaser yeah, and, and yeah. you sharing it but if you want the book is something that you really consider because it's worth a lot more than the, you know, the cost that I'm paying for I know I'm, I'm going back a little bit because we mentioned about uh, CFAC just now and we talked about unhelpful thinking patterns 
uh, again, this is something you can Google. We can't go through everything because you don't have time. There are many unhelpful thinking patterns. But if you just Google unhelpful thinking patterns, I think it's it's codified, right? And it's all there for you to gain awareness. Yep. So definitely go and do that because it helps you be aware. That, oh, this is actually a common thinking pattern. It's a maladaptive in some sense. And you've got to kind of realize that, okay, uh, I can then, what can I do to work, work, work on it? Um, so now we talked about CAVC, we talked about uh, mindfulness. Uh, I want to add on to mindfulness as well. It's really about uh, the monk mind versus the monkey mind, right? The monkey mm-hmm. mind is distracted, anxiety, but the monk mind is just very, it's just a metaphor. Like, it's just very calm. It's not reactive to stresses. It's able to, like you said, observe your thoughts, right? Not engage with it, discern, and then kind of choose a response from there. Uh, talk to me a bit about attention and uh, focus, because I know that's a core aspect of mindfulness. Yes. How do you train your brain to just focus uh, on the present? Got it. So, yeah, I'm not the... I wouldn't say I'm very uh, very uh, well-versed in mindfulness. Right. La. But basically, like, uh, I can say what has been helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, I have this habit of going on walks. Yeah. Mm. And you'd be surprised how much that helps you. It sounds like a very self-help. Like, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's cool. Yeah, 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 but it's actually very, very helpful. Yeah. Right. So... Uh, because I, uh, I guess, uh, sorry about me, is that I tried to pick up meditation. Uh, I got into it for a while. Mm. Then I, uh, basically, I got out of it. Uh, sure. For whatever reason. Then, so basically, I started to go on walks. Yeah. Mm. So, when I was walking, uh, something that's very helpful that you can do is to try and train your attention to focus on specific things. Mm. Right? So, for example, uh, what you ask questions and then you answer them. For example, what are people wearing? What are the clothes people are wearing? Do you see any similarities between them? Like what sounds do you hear right now? Mm. Uh, do you hear any birds, any dogs, or whichever question that comes to your mind? And the purpose of these exercises, right, is to train your attention such that uh, when you're focusing on these questions, you focus on these questions solely, mm. right? And even if like uh, other distracting thoughts come into your mind, you just let them be. Mm. You focus on your task at hand because that, in the end, that's the end goal of mindfulness, lah. You have a singular focus then even if you have all these other distractions coming to you, you focus back on it. You retrain your attention to come back to it, mm. right? So okay. you, don't need, you don't have to do this just with walks. You can do it with meditation. You can do it with listening to music, yep. right? So if you have a specific instrument that you're playing, you're noticing the chords, noticing yep. the tunes, and all these different things. Erin actually said the exact same thing. She said that uh, one way, easy way to practice mindfulness is uh, literally being mindful of the present, right? Like your sensations and your five senses. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what you're seeing, how you're feeling. She asked me, how do you know when I'm brushing my teeth? So she said, instead of getting your mind wander, you focus on just the sensations of brushing your feet on the floor, the sounds around you. Um, personally, to be very honest, I haven't practiced it to the extent I want to, but I feel like I have to because recently I've been mm. facing a bit of anxiety see, la, over typical entrepreneur stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that you focus, you train your brain to put your attention on the present oh. so that it's not caught in the ruminations of the past yes. or the worry of the future. Yes, yeah. Okay. And honestly, like if you, if you find it hard to do, right, you just try it with something. You s- just start off with something that you enjoy first, right? A, a leisure like a uh, leisurely activity that's already in your schedule, mm. right? So even if it's like watching a movie or watching a video game, up uh, watching a video game, <laughs> playing a video game, sure. right? You know, just enjoy the moment, yeah. Yeah? yeah, and just train your attention to enjoy all these pleasures of life, la, And mm. that's a very good starting point. Cool. The five senses, lah. Just remember yeah, your five yeah, senses. Yeah. Okay, so we discussed mindfulness and of course you have. AC. Uh, I think the last thing we we'll talk about is uh, CBT, mm. cognitive behavioral therapy. It's used quite a lot in psychotherapy. Uh, people use it colloquially as well. But 
uh, let, let's, I know that recently you did a course and you invested quite an amount. So I know it's a huge thing, but let's summarize it for people to understand at the core tenet of it, what it is, uh, because I use it in some of my programs as well. I would share my experience. I want to hear from Ron first. Got what it. is the core tenets right. of it? So the main idea behind CBT la, is that uh, everybody faces problems or issues in life. But what happens is that we dig ourselves into our own mm. holes with what we like to call maladaptive or unhelpful uh, thoughts and behaviours. Mm. Right? So uh, when we rely on these too much as coping mechanisms, it causes a lot of problems for us in the long run. So what CBT does is identify these maladaptive or, or unhelpful problems, uh, un, uh, uh, unhelpful thoughts and behaviours, yep. right? and see how we can change them. Mm. So for the C part, which is a cognitive aspect, right, it's identifying, like we said before, the unhelpful Helpful, thoughts. Yeah. Right? So whether it's a generalization, black and white thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So what we usually do is that we take these beliefs, right? And then we do fact-checking, mm. right? We use this process called Socratic questioning, mm. in which we give the evidence for and against. And then mm. when we do that, we realize that, yes, there may be some uh, element of truth in this belief, but usually it's not true entirely. Mm. It's not true 100%, right? right? And that uh, allows us to move on. Uh, when we realize that it's not uh, an entirely correct belief that we are holding, that allows us to move on to the problematic behaviors mm. that are upholding the belief. Yeah, right? it's true because a lot of... Uh, consequences, right? Emotional consequences, behaviors are fundamentally traced to certain underlying beliefs, yes. basement beliefs about something, yeah. which could have been there because of, I think, past stigma, mm-hmm. people bullying you, whatever that case is, right? We develop some unhealthy beliefs that is not helpful to us mm-hmm. in functioning. You know, and CBT is about identifying and then working on them. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk a bit more about working on them. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, the first thing you need to do is identify the base yeah. uh, beliefs, right? So, what we, what we have is there's this thing called a negative triad. Okay. Right? So, it's negative beliefs about yourself, the future, and the world, mm. right? So, it could be like, a, I am unlovable, I'm a failure. Mm. Uh, it could be the world is unfair and unpredictable, yeah. or that others will surely find me useless. Mm. Or it could be that uh, I will always be useless in the future. Yeah. So, once you have these beliefs, right, uh, the first thing, like I said, like, is to deal with them, is to remind yourself of why these beliefs may not necessarily be 100% true. Right. right? So think of what happened in your past. In what, uh, in what, in which cases were you actually successful? Mm. In which cases were you actually, you were actually lovable? Mm. Or maybe you felt a lot of, uh, maybe you had value, right? So when you do that, you work on it. And then you realize what I do like, is I, I take a look at uh, people's past and I ask them what actually worked for you in the past, right? So then they will say, I did this and I, I did that, right? Mm. And then, so basically those qualities are something that you can use and build on to uh, build better behaviors in the future. Mm. And on the behavioral aspect, it depends on what kind of issue that you're facing. So for anxiety, uh, you could be, we could address it with things like meditation, mm. uh, mindful walking, the things right. that we address, uh, the things that we talked about before. Ah, I see. Yeah. So that's the behavioral part of it. Yes. Okay. So actually my CFAC method, right, it's actually yeah. CBD. Right? Yeah, it's, it's right. it's, yeah, yeah, correct, correct. It's really the underlying premise. In fact, ABCDE as well, something mm-hmm. that I talked about, it's also like a branch of it, yes. right, where it's an activating event, right, or... or Mm. Uh, adversity and then you have your consequences so you write it out and you identify what's the underlying belief yeah. that's driving that consequence mm. and then uh, ABCD D stands for disputations right yeah. disputing disputing the unhelpful beliefs like mm. you just mentioned and then E stands for effective new beliefs yes. right creating yeah. effective new beliefs um, and again to go one step further I think Martin Seligman he's like kind of the founder yes. of positive psychology he talked about three broad ways people uh, 
or three broad beliefs about failure that's crippling. Number one is personalization. Uh, second one is permanence, thinking that your failure is permanent. Mm. And the third one is pervasiveness. I uh, think it will affect all the areas of your life. Um, and I think all this is just qualification. Don't get caught up in it. Yeah, you can yeah. depend on what you want to use. But the idea is that there's always an underlying belief that is right. yeah. helpful, unhelpful. Uh, and it's open. Yeah. yeah. So actually you mentioned ABCD, right? That's uh, under Alice, right? Yeah. Alice has a bit of background information. Uh. Alice is the creator of REBT, which mm. is rational, I, I think it's called Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. Right. Which is a, a branch or a subset of CBT. Mm. Right, it goes further more into, into detail. There's a few subtle differences. Okay. Right? And the reason why I bring him up is that, I also mentioned this uh, previously, that there's uh, similar to the three, um, the three ideas that Silliman brought up. There's also this thing, this thing called the three musts mm. by uh, Elisa as well. Okay. So what he's saying is that there's three musts that we have in our mindset that's putting us into a lot of pain. Right? So uh, the three musts are I must do well Otherwise, I'm, I must be perfect. Otherwise, I'm no good. That other people must be perfect and fit what I think of them. Otherwise, they are no good. And the world must fit my version of what it has to be like. Otherwise, the world is no good. Okay. Right. So when you have all these three different beliefs together, uh, it creates a cycle of pain uh, mm. yeah, that we need to get rid of. Right. I know listening to us, right, it might seem a little bit overwhelming, but don't worry. Yeah, because there are many ways to classify thoughts, right? Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that uh, we just want you to raise your awareness to know that fundamentally, um, having awareness of your belief systems helps, right? And how you can potentially dispute them, change them in different methods. You can obviously go and research, there's so much information out there. But if you feel a need that you could potentially help a coach or a therapist could potentially help, then I would suggest go and definitely yes, consider yes, one yeah. for yourself. Uh, like we can talk as much as we want about it. Yeah. Like, but in the end, I you need to work through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A skilled professional would do much better. Okay. But we hope we give you that yeah, yeah, yeah. springboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I honestly like uh, learning about CBT mm. and then uh, I'm also doing a, an, an ACT course, which is mm. acceptance and commitment therapy. It was really helpful for me la, mm. because uh, it allowed me to identify the kind of uh, unhelpful belief systems that I was holding, uh, the unhelpful behaviours that I was practising and allow me to make steps to fixing them. Yeah. You have made very bold steps, which uh, is a good segue to our last segment mm. on uh, you know your uh, your page, your Instagram account mm. and the work that you do. Um, so, again, I mentioned earlier from social anxiety to being a social influencer. Uh, why it starts? Because we know that social media can be a huge source of stress mm. and anxiety. So how do, you, how do you deal with feedback, right? Of course, how you grow your page. I think that one go and listen to the previous, uh, one of the episodes on media, mental health, mm. advocacy. Ron is inside mm. as well. He touched on that. So he won't cover it today. You want to reach out to Ron, uh, you can as well on Instagram growth. But today I want to focus really more on, on the emotions mm. of it. La. So how do you manage potential stresses and feedback? Got it. So you mean like uh, bad um, feedback? Yeah. yeah. Or just generally... You know, when you deal with a page, you are exposed to more things. Yeah. So I guess uh, in terms of feedback, right? Uh, because mental health is such a sensitive topic, yeah, that inevitably la, that you're gonna make mistakes. That's what I feel. La. So there are some, uh, and it depends on how, like, uh, what kind of feedback that you're getting. La. So the kind of positive feedback that I welcome, right? It's let's say I use a term in not the right sense of the word, lah. So the example that I use is that uh, last time uh, I used to say for people who were having panic attacks la, that one of their affirmations could be uh, 
you know, you're safe and yeah. you're harmless, right? Mm. This will, this will, nothing will happen to you. But then people who actually faced panic attacks yeah. before came up and said to me like, that it's not true, because what happens if you're driving? Yeah, yeah. What happens if you're in a in a in a high place? Yeah. So when you do that, you take a step back and you realize, that, oh, okay, sure, I I I made a mistake. I should have used this word in a better context, or basically I should have used a different word altogether. And that's something that you you change like, and you learn. Especially since I'm not uh, a therapist, uh, I'm not mm. a, a trained therapist. And I don't really have a psychological background, so that's one thing to consider. But uh, I think what is also important to consider is that there are some people who completely don't believe in the idea of mental health, mm. right? And you face this kind of people, whether you're whatever social cause that you're fighting for, lah. Uh, yeah. That uh, people who are completely opposed to you, and in fact. Uh, I had one post up about how I was debating this guy. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I really, really, I, I regret getting. Regret la, but it's yeah. good. It's good feedback, right? Some things just better not to engage. Yeah, but yeah, you want to yeah. share more about that? Got it. Yeah. So, the you see, there's this guy now who straight up did not believe that. Yeah. Mental health was a thing. Mm. He thought that depression. He didn't it's want a to. Choice yeah, yeah. It's a choice. He blamed the people who were depressed for mm. being depressed for not doing things that made him like happy, happy mm. in quotation marks. It's a motivation problem. Yeah. And that pissed me off. La. And I was uh, trying to engage with him. Yeah. And as a result of that, uh, because uh, at that point in time, I was uh, I was like at 5, 6 a.m. I couldn't sleep. And basically, like I said, like, I was digging myself into a hole. Mm. And so he was saying all these different things to try and hurt me. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of it did. He was saying that. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, he's saying that uh, you don't want to help these people at all. Mm. You don't want to with your method right they will never get better sure and then that hurt me lah for, for in fact it, it still does sometimes yeah but really how, how, how you deal with that right is that you take a look yes they may be arguing in a certain way and they may be, may be like very hard to penetrate their their line of belief lah but uh, at the end of the day you look at the people that you help lah right yeah. and you realise you have a track record of actually helping people mm-hmm. right and you, when you realise the good that you've done and that, yeah, you kind of, you kind of uh, realize that you don't have to deal with these people at all. Yeah. Very nice. Um, you just applied CBT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, just yeah, applied. Yeah, you just applied it because yeah, you, CBT you, actually, you yeah. yeah, correct. Because you just fact checked it, right? And yeah, you realize yeah. that wow, no, there are many times we have had successes, and it shows that I value my work. Yes. Yeah. And it helps. Um, which leads to my next question, right? I kind of answered it. Like, why do people follow you, and what's your branding in commerce? Mm. Um, yeah, but why do you think people follow you? I believe yeah. it's partially that. There's anything else you Yeah, feel? so I guess uh, those two questions are quite similar. Yeah. So uh, I people follow me because of my content, right? Mm. And they, because they find my content valuable and reliable, which are the two aspects of uh, good content, I think. Mm. Uh, so you ask me why people follow me, that is the reason. Because, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's usually why people follow because they find value in the accounts that they're following. Uh, whether it's through educational value or making them feel understood or there's like humorous value, lah, mm-hmm. right? And another thing is that relatability. Yeah. Yes. So I'm not just, I guess I'm not just another page that posts uh, helpful infographics mm-hmm. and all that, which is, which is good, lah, which is good. Lah, yeah. But uh, especially if you're running an, an account of some sort or a brand of some sort, I think people want to see uh, who you are behind that mask, right? So in terms of branding, I would say that uh, yes, I can give you helpful tips and all that. But I I guess I am uh, also someone who has seen suffering before and faced it a lot. But yeah, I still choose to see that life is worth living. I still choose to see that. I, choo- I still choose to remain optimistic. 
and I still I still choose to fight, and I think people uh, see that. Yeah, people appreciate that. I I appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie because, uh, like you said, sometimes it's just a couple of quotes here. Nothing wrong with that. But when it's personalized, right? When it's, there's a face behind it, where I know there's this person that has struggled before, mm-hmm. and it's very real, right? And you type it out in also first person as well. Mm-hmm. It is very real. It's like your captions are a world of its own. It's not just the it's not just the the uh, the content, but not just the design, but also the captions mm-hmm. that make you really think about things. Yep. Just at least for me, lah. And I put your notifications so oh, I, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you, so yeah. I can. And that's a tip I learned from you. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you also talk most. about yeah, Instagram <laughs> growth and everything. And I want you yeah. to let you know, right, that Ron is very good, even though we've not talked about this at all, right? But he is also very skilled in social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, his intentionally grew his page to outreach, mm-hmm. you know, for good reasons, for intention, um, and and for you know consciously thinking about that brand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that leads me to the last question. Uh, what impact or reward is the most fulfilling for you in doing this mm-hmm. and what's your vision for the future got it so actually i would say the biggest impact as i said before is that it gave me confidence mm. right in knowing that number one i can grow that i that my efforts have actually made it to be a successful endeavor mm. right? and number two in knowing that i have actually helped people and knowing that uh that my posts are resonate with a lot of people it's something that is very, very fulfilling. Yeah? And it's given me, I guess, a path in life to go towards. And I think uh, if there is some meaning in life, I think that I'm, I'm, I, I have it, I have mine. Yeah? Sure. So, so these two things are pretty much the, the biggest impact on me. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah? So the other question was, uh, what was my vision, vision for yeah. it, right? So I think... Uh, I think, like, like what I said to you before, that I think there's only so much I can do with uh, posts, right? So, and right now I'm actually doing, like, I've done like the CBT course, mm-hmm. and right now I'm also learning uh, ACT, which is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. So what I would personally like to do is to make it into a brand, into an actual, I guess, uh, coaching business. Now. Yeah. Mm. It's something that uh, I can use. Well, I may not be like a, you know, a psychotherapist, or I may not have like a master's in, like, in psychology, what I can do is, I guess, impart uh, what I actually learned from CBT and ACT in a very uh, actionable framework and then use it to help other people, help other people help themselves, right? Uh, what a quote that I do use is uh, helping people to become their own therapist, mm. right? Because that's what I did for me. Sure. Yeah. So that is my vision for the immediate future, for, for, for this page uh, in particular. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Um, that's a very nice conclusion to this yeah. um, we will have to talk about the last thing don't don't run away yeah. first because we have something for you like I said yep. um, it's it's rare that you know nowadays we don't necessarily uh, monetize my broadcast because I said I want to make it grow mm-hmm. before I can do it responsibly but you know I think it just so happened that we're good friends and that uh, we can offer something to you listeners like, I don't know how many of you that are watching but I just felt that it really is worth the value uh, that Ron actually wrote a book Okay, um, I will edit it in, in terms of, you know, down here, uh, just a bit of scroll through. But it's a book about how to overcome anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Where you share some, like you said, unhelpful thinking that people might have. You talk about also um, the methods that can help step by step. And also finally, a part we never discussed earlier, mm-hmm. nutrition. Okay, yeah. and, and, and that I found it very interesting as well. Nutrition and how that can help you 
because uh, if, if we talk about that yeah. since we didn't so basically like uh, in, in the book I also talk about nutrition uh, which is like a very very uh, not very talked about yeah. in mental health which is that yes you can talk about thoughts about behaviors all that but honestly if you're eating like crab uh, yeah yeah it will still affect it will, you it will because yeah your physical felt your physical exactly. health your physical <laughs> health affects your mental health it's yeah. health in general yeah right so Uh, things like uh, there's these things uh, that in, that cause your body inflammation, mm. right? So sugars, Sugar. yeah, like uh, different. Uh, you you saturated. You, yeah, yeah, a lot. If you read the book, you know, you know. Uh, yeah, that all these things, right? Once you eat them, right, that they have certain effects on your body, and they can cause things like hormone imbalances. They can cause your gut to react in certain ways yeah. that may not be desirable, uh. So mm. and uh, your sorry, interrupt you, but your gut and your brain is very closely linked. Yes. People do not realize that it's literally linked by the vagus nerve. And your fat is when you get anxious. Sometimes you feel like vomiting. You yeah, know? and you feel butterflies yeah. in your stomach. It's yeah. because of like the the link between your brain and your gut, yeah. right? So if you eat uh, poorly, your gut will suffer and your brain mm. will suffer as well. And then, as you mentioned, uh, anxiety is your fight or flight system mm. uh, in overdrive. And sometimes, what you eat, what you do with your body, will cause your body to react in over will, will react in overdrive. Mm. No matter what you think and no matter what you what you do. Mm. So if you're interested in that and if you want to kind of realize or kind of discover what uh, mistakes you have been making in your, in your nutrition so far that's contributing to anxiety, do feel free to grab a copy. Lah. Yes. We're having a 40% off, right? That's a significant amount for listeners. Uh, 40% off. Okay, just put in a code. It's an e, e-book. Okay, well, I'll put up the link below. Um, the code. What is the code again? 40 off rebound. Yeah. Nice. So, okay. yeah, that will drop <laughs> the price by 10 USD. Okay. Which means... It's really, really, yeah. It's a big discount. Now, of course, insert that into here and also into the link, uh, whatever this post is going to go. Uh, but I would say, Jen, it's really worth it because I read it, you know, and it's just so much thought and effort into it. Um, just amazed. I'm amazed that you can write a book at this age. It inspires me also to start my book. Um, you should, like, honestly. Yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah. I want to write a book uh, 100, basically 100 people in resilience. Mm. And then what are their tips and insights into it? Of course, weaving my personal story. Mm-hmm. So working on that. You'll definitely be in one of them. Oh, thank hopefully. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I will yeah. shout it out as well. <laughs> yeah. Let me know when it's done. Yeah. Okay, I think it comes to the end. Is there any last uh, message I guess you want to share for anyone that is facing anxiety or mm. an OCD? Yeah. Um, I think what I have to say like, is that it's kind of, uh, once you live in anxiety and OCD for, for so long, right, it kind of becomes a comfort zone. Mm. for you right and some people have been anxious for so long and for the vast majority of their lives that they cannot imagine a life without it right right and honestly uh, you shouldn't uh, as with all comfort zones it prevents you from growing and it prevents you from leading the life that uh, that you deserve to live so what my advice is is do something right don't just stick in in, in, in that position where you're in uh can be anything as long like even if it's a small uh, move even if it's like even if it's like uh, walking every day or right, breathing or like, meditating for five to ten minutes every day uh, all these small steps all these baby steps that will accumulate and will make you uh, a better person uh, it will make your it will make your life so so much better and I know because uh, it has made mine uh, better mm. yeah. thanks for that Ron mm. uh, with that we've come to the end of course follow Ron on Instagram at Mental Health CEO. Uh, follow and subscribe uh, to podcast. If you're listening to this on YouTube, check out Spotify as well because they are bite-sized. Um, 
you know, episodes that I do. Uh, but with that, <laughs> stay resilient and I'll uh, see you in the next episode. Okay, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.